This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. Dub Demis. And Mark, we are back here for the onside kick right here on Most Val Podcast, and we are continuing our divisional previews, getting ready a little bit earlier than usual. This is usually the week in the past where we've officially started it, doing it a little bit early. NFC preview is only a week early. That's not really that early. It's an episode. June. It's an episode, but like June is still a little bit early um, for football. But getting into the swing of things, giving us time in August when the real news hits and we're not bogged down with previews during that time. The NFC North is up right now. You can go check that out on podcast services around the world, as well as most available podcasts on YouTube. Today, we are taking a look at the AFC North. So that's how we're going to do it throughout the whole thing. Next week will be a new division, NFC first, AFC, and then we'll go on to the next one. And the next one, before we get into everything, though, make sure to check us out on patreon.com backslash most valid podcast. That's how you go ahead and support us. One dollar, you can get the MVP podcast a month early before everyone else. You get access to big boards and mock drafts and the Discord channel, which you can talk to guys like Mark, Dave, me, Johnny, Sean. You can talk to Jake. You can talk to John. You can talk to Pat. All of our patrons are in there. Our patrons are in there talking. And at our gold tier, $10 a month, you can come on a podcast, join a podcast, and talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about. But, Mark, the way we're going to do this is worst to first as usual. Bengals will be first. Browns will be second. Steelers will be third. And the Ravens will be fourth. And I'm going to do the same thing I did last week to kind of set us up for mm-hmm. each team. We'll start here with the Bengals. And looking at them last year, offensive yards per game, they were 26th overall with about 311 yards per game on offense, scoring about 23 points per game, which is good for 17th in the league. Defensively, they were god-awful last year. 32nd overall, giving up the most yards in the league, 414 about, and I'm rounding up with that number, and then giving up the 30th, the they ranked 30th in points per game. That would be, what, the third most points of teams last year? 28.4 is what opponents were averaging on them last year. If we look at the free agency for the Bengals, not super active, but got some key things done as they re-signed Preston Brown to a three-year deal. They re-signed Tyler Eifert to a one-year deal, getting rid of their old head coach, Marvin Lewis. We thought it would never happen, but it finally did. They bring in new head coach and um, Sean McVay kind of coaching tree, Zach Taylor. The question I want to ask you to start with the Bengals is what should the expectations be? Because this is a team that last year out of the gates, I know I said defensively they were god-awful. They were good last year. They were yeah. like 6-0, 5-1 to start last season. They came on really hot. Then they got injured and fell off the face of the earth. This has been a team where we've heard rumors about an A.J. Green trade, about could they trade Andy Dalton. I want to ask you, with Zach Taylor coming in, new regime, what should Bengal fans expect in 2019? 
Well, it's difficult because you ideally want to expect more of the same. Uh, great running attack, pretty good passing attack, um, with two great wide receivers, John Ross and, and A.J. Green. Uh, you got Zach Eifert. So there's a lot of things that you want to be happy about offensively. Defense, you're always going to be scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, but offensively, you got a lot of things to be excited about. But then you remember, well, Eifert got banged up. A.J. Green, season ended. Ross, he's hurt. Jonah Williams, our number one pick this year, he's hurt. Um, you've got a lot of things going against you already mm-hmm. uh, and kind of carryovers from last year. You know, A.J. Green, for example, uh, supposedly has been cleared by team doctors to play. He isn't doing anything yet, so we'll see. They're being cautious about that. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like this team had so much potential last year that got disrupted by injuries. They're already starting off still trying to shake off those injuries. Mm-hmm. It's going to be rough if if that is still the issue. I think the Bengals are such a question mark mystery of a team because if everything's going right, they can be really, really good as they showed last year. Mm-hmm. These injuries come back or still hang around. They're going to be a bad team. And then they have the new head coach as an issue, too. Um, Not necessarily like um, an issue. I don't want someone to get mad that I'm not giving them a chance. But just to the fact of we don't really know how Zach Taylor is going to perform here. We don't really know how that's going to work if Andy Dalton. Uh, There's a lot of question marks there to this team who, for once, has a new uh, coaching staff available to them. So the Bengals are just such a hard one to really kind of put your your finger on here. Mm-hmm. And it was, I misspoke, it was 4-1. and one. They started off last year before they lost two straight to Pittsburgh and KC. But, like, even in that 4-1, and one, don't want to take anything away from the Bengals, but, like, they played the Colts, who were just starting out last year being with Andrew Luck the first time, and that was kind of an... That was a game that needed, what, a Clayton Fedulum, either interception or fumble return, to seal it. So it wasn't that big of a blot. It was a close game. Baltimore was a big win because they went on to win the division. But then it's like Atlanta wasn't that hot of a team. Miami wasn't that hot of a team. And then, like, their other two wins, Oakland wasn't good last year. Tampa wasn't good last year. So to me, I kind of look at this team, and I think to myself— defensively, what did you necessarily do to get better? I know re-signing um, Preston Brown was a big deal getting that linebacker back, but, I mean, you lose perfect, which has kind of a tone. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because of the player he is, but yeah. he was a good player um, defensively. Also, here on the podcast, we've got breaking news. You ready for this? Cool. Raiders are going to be hard knocks. Not surprising, but you really miss such a great uh-huh. opportunity for it to be next year when they're in Vegas. Yeah, so the Raiders are going to be hard knocks. That happening while we are recording the podcast which right is a, now. Which also, I, I realized <laughs> the other day because we canceled uh, HBO after mm-hmm. Game of Thrones, that it was like, oh, now i got to figure out a different way to watch mm-hmm. hard knocks. Um which is a bummer. I mean, hey, when the Warner Media streaming service comes out, you can pay 16 a month for that plus HBO. Because that's going to have HBO along with it. What's Warner going to have? Warner's going to have like all the Batman, the DC, the oh. Warner Brothers movies that they have. 
Everybody doesn't need to have their own streaming service. <laughs> yeah, convert, we've had this conversation. Dave and I had this the other Seriously. day. Seriously. Do you remember um, when it was just like, watch Netflix? on Hulu, and mm-hmm. it's free, and you'll get one 15-second ad? Yeah. And that was it. Yeah, you got to pay for it. You got to pay for everything. <laughs> you pay for Hulu, and you still have to watch ads. <laughs> but the point, getting back to the Bengals... The big thing is the injuries. Like, is A.J. Green going to play in a full yeah. season? Is Andy Dalton got hurt last year, Tyler too. Is Tyler Eifert even going to play a full year? Because, mm-hmm. to me, that was the biggest deal of, like, you were able to re-sign him for that one year because that was kind of like a, hey, you might not get a deal from someone else. Like, yeah, the Cardinals might give you a deal because they need a tight end, but we're not going to give you more than one year. And according to it, um, it's a six point five million dollar deal with one point two million signing bonus, a base of four million and two and a half million in performance based incentives. So even in that, they're like, we're not gonna give you all of it unless you perform you because earn it. if you're only playing four games, that's not a good investment mm-hmm. for us. I'm kind of and usually with these previews, I wanna be more on the positive side you be than the negative yeah. side. I just, for the Bengals, I wonder if this is going to be a year where you just kind of expect, like, okay, I don't expect it to be a good year. This is mm-hmm. kind of where we rebuild. try to figure ourselves out and rebuild post-Marvin yeah. Lewis into the and, Zach Taylor And era. here's the thing. I'm not going to go in here and, and start the debate mm-hmm. of should they move on from Andy Dalton. But isn't it kind of blowing your mind that Andy Dalton's going to be 32 this year? Like yeah, this season, know, right? he's gonna be 32 years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember him coming into the league, and he's older than me, but I still remember him coming into the league and making a big deal in fantasy football. Kind of seems like a wasted career, almost. A little bit of a Matthew Stafford, mm-hmm. like, oh, you didn't really get any, you didn't get enough out of this amazing talent mm-hmm. that you had available to you. Uh, and Andy Dalton came in so great, um, especially like I said, when it came to fantasy football, and mm-hmm. had some great early seasons. And it is just kind of a missed opportunity. You know that the Bengals are in this weird kind of rebuild mode where it's like their offense is pretty good if they can get it going, mm-hmm. but they're having these injury issues and they've got aging players who some of them are expensive. So you wonder, like, what is the future going to hold for the Bengals? They're in this little middle ground right now where they either need to start getting success mm-hmm. uh, under Zach Taylor's regime here. Or if things go the other way, they're very likely going to be a team that blows it all up and says, all right, we're starting over. Um, yeah, and Because they don't have that much longer to really take that chance. If we're going to mention trades, I don't think Andy Dalton is the one I go for. AJ Green's the one I go for. Well, and I don't think there's a trade market for Andy Dalton. He's going to be yeah. a 32-year-old quarterback. Well, I mean, with Andy Dalton, what it will probably be is if they're going to move someone's on injured. from him— well, there's that, but if they're going to move on from him, it's they'll draft someone this year, and then they'll do the whole Patrick Mahomes, um, Alex Smith thing, but instead of trading them, it'll just be like next year, let Andy Dalton play out the last year in Cincy, then move on to the guy we drafted. I could see them moving on just because he'll be 33 mm-hmm. then, um, and it's like, well, we just drafted a guy, great. Right now, I mean, Ryan Finley, technically they drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um Jeff Driscoll's on this team mm-hmm. as well. I mean, Ryan Finley was a big one that, not first round, second round, but a guy that people mm-hmm. really liked in the later rounds out of NC State. 
I don't know necessarily if he becomes the guy in Cincy. Probably not. No, it's just um, technically they drafted somebody. Yeah, they drafted a quarterback, so, I mean, they have someone. But, I mean, for me, the big one I look to, you got to make the decision this year of are we going to sign, are we going to make a push to sign A.J. Green long term yeah. or trade him? Because you Do an Odell let, thing. You can't let him walk unless he gets injured and you can't trade him. I completely agree on that. I mean, and they need to kind of see what this team's going to be. Mm-hmm. If this team starts to crumble, maybe they learn, ooh, this Zach Taylor guy, maybe he wasn't a good hire. Uh, looks like we're going to need a second coach here, second new head coach, uh, which is totally possible. Mm-hmm. Totally possible for that to happen. If that's going to be the case, then, yeah, you're probably better off just trading A.J. Green to somebody, getting some draft capital, pull in Oakland Raiders or New York football giants, and get what you can now for this guy because your team's going to be building for too long. Mm-hmm. It might not be worth it. Um, but it's hard to say because A.J. Green is such a you know really talented receiver. You'd hate to lose that. And you know what's going to make it tough? So since his third year in the league, he had 2013, all 16 games. The next year, 13 games. 2015, all games. Then in 2016... Missed six games. Then in 2017, played every game. Then in 2018, played only nine games. So he's going to play the full year this year. If the pattern shows, he's going to play the full year. Good. That's either good or bad Mm -hmm. because it's good that, hey, he'll be healthy. We can trade him by the trade deadline and get something for him. Or it's going to be bad. Oh, he played every game. Here, let's re-sign him because then the trend would be his first year of that next contract. He's injured. Like, that's how it's been for A.J. Green. It's either Mm. he plays a full year, next year he gets injured. Well, last year was the injury year, so if we're going to repeat ourselves, this upcoming year, 31-year-old, he would play every single game. But that's another thing, too. It's like A.J. Green, Andy Dalton's old. A.J. Green's getting up there, too. Oh, for sure. And I I say that like, oh, they're getting old, and they're only, what, two years older than I am. They're ancient. But in in football and athletic competition, it's – once you get into that 30s, like a running back for sure, once you get into that 30s. If you're a running back, you got into okay. your 30s, like, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, for other positions, it's like, all right, this guy's can maybe getting in towards the end of it right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's not that much longer left. If you're like Tom Brady, hey, I could play till I'm 50. 60, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's interesting for this because they, mm-hmm. like I said, and, and like you've hit at two, they've got these aging players, but this offense still has a lot of potential and is still good. Mm-hmm. They've they've kind of been building up a nice offensive line as well with guys like Billy Price, Jonah uh, Williams, you know, and they've kind of been moving things around, trying to get new guys in, drafting guys, and they're trying to keep things together. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if the defense is not going to be good enough to allow them to make that step, getting into the playoffs, especially when... Baltimore's got an amazing defense and looks like maybe this offense might be pretty good too. Cleveland all of a sudden is the mess, you know, next best thing ever. Big Ben still exists. Um so you've got a lot of competition in your in your division. It might not be the best situation for mm-hmm. you to really take that next step and the Bengals might be forced to kind of start the rebuild. And cuz like I even look at it that 4 and 1 stretch where especially mm-hmm. we heard it from Bengal fans because I think I did the Bengal preview. And I was not high on the Bengals. I had them with a losing record, not making the I playoffs. I actually was. I was um, high on them. I had them in the playoffs. So, like, you look at the games that they won, 
34 to 23 close game against the Indianapolis Colts. Same score against the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. but then against Atlanta, 37 to 36. Like you gave up 36 points and needed just to get to that 37 in order to beat them. And then against Miami, you hold them to 17, which isn't terrible for a defense. But yet again, your offense putting up um, 27. And then even in the win against Tampa before the bye, 37-34. 34 points is not a good number for your defense to be giving up. And kind of the question that I want to go to is before we get into the schedule, there's one guy I look at, where, and I'm not looking at him as like, while wow, you've been trash, you need to pick it up. It's more of a how are you going to be used with Zach Taylor now being the head coach. But I look at John Ross, and this is a guy last year who got 58 targets with an injured A.J. Green. Like, A.J. Green in nine games had 77. John Ross played 13, got 58 targets, only about 210 yards. Like, he's a guy that when he was drafted— a higher-end first-round pick. Like, we had yep. high expectations for him Definitely. coming out of Washington. Can we expect better things from him this year, or will we not see that from the third-year wide receiver until A.J. Green is gone? I mean, you hope you see see it from soon, and you hope that Zach Taylor and, and Callahan are the guys to bring it out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't know. I mean, so far, it's not been amazing. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there still, and Andy Dalton's a good quarterback to get it to him with uh, with Joe Mixon as well as your running back. You've got you've got what you need to be successful for any of these positions offensively, especially for a wide receiver. There's enough there to help him out. AJ Green's going to command the double team, so you just have to worry about one guy. Mm-hmm. He should be able to get good. He should be able to perform well. He should be able to make a difference on this team. Um, you know, but sometimes some of these guys, especially wide receivers that get drafted in the first round, sometimes they don't actually quite work out for mm-hmm. it. So I don't know. It's tough. I just, I also have kind of a question about, I mean, and what plays into this is the whole Zach Taylor thing is because, like, most coaches we look at, oh, he's an offensive coordinator here. He mm-hmm. had this, like, Zach Taylor is that, like, if you talk, we talk about the Sean McVay kind of coaching tree and the Sean McVay like kind of method of doing things. He's kind of that mold, like a 36 year old coach, really in the NFL, hasn't had a ton of experience. He had one year as the Dolphins assistant quarterback coach, then two years as their quarterback coach, and the other half of that last year, it's not really something he was to brag in the about. OC. That was the 2012 to 2015 Dolphins. Then went back to college, University of Cincinnati, where he was the OC and the quarterback coach. Then two years with the Rams as an assistant wideout coach, and then the quarterback coach last year. Now he's the head coach of the Bengals. Like I feel like this is something where if the Bengals are going to be good this year, mm-hmm. it's going to be because, man, Zach Taylor had the key, and he was exactly like when McVay went over the Rams and was able to spark that like spark out of yeah. that offense that Jeff Fisher wasn't able to do. Where it certainly feels like Zach Taylor is skipping some steps here. Exactly, and I feel like with this team, like, is it going to be the same thing, different coach? Or is it going to be, hey, this offense looks better 
now we just got a poor defense. Because the thing about the Rams that helped them out was their defense isn't bad. Their pretty defense much ev- is really good. Pretty much everything was there. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like I don't want to take anything away from Sean McVay because he did do the right things, had the right offensive scheme. But it's easier when you have great players. Exactly. When you got Aaron Donald mm-hmm. on your team and potentially almost added Khalil Mack before the Bears stole him away, I mean, that's going to help. Last thing we'll do is look at the schedule. I will ask you, what are your thoughts taking a peruse of the Bengals' I, 2019 sketch? I think it's a good schedule for them. I mean, they got to play their division, which is tough. But, you know, they, they got teams like the 49ers, who are a question mark, the Bills, who have a younger quarterback, Cardinals. You know, you're looking at all these teams with the young quarterbacks uh, and Raiders, who are not a good team. There's a lot of good potential to win some games, mm-hmm. but then you're still running into your division. You're still running into tough teams. Uh, like, of course, you got to play the Patriots and the Rams, and the Jaguars have a really good defense. So it's not a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. It's not terribly difficult. Steelers, uh, Seahawks are in there as well. I think they're pretty much exactly where they were at last year. Mm-hmm. Pretty much no better, no worse. The thing that I like about their schedule is it's kind of backloaded. Because, like, with a team like this that has a little bit of gelling to do early on, it's nice to have that backload of, like, all right, four of your six divisional games are going to be after the Week 9 bye. Um, On top of that, you get the Patriots that are after the Week 9 bye. So that's five games Mm -hmm. that are... After that week nine bye, which, yeah, you still get Jacksonville and Los Angeles and Pittsburgh and Baltimore and even Seattle at Seattle before the bye. But it kind of makes it a little bit more manageable of like, hey, if we can steal a game early like we did last year, by the time we get to those games later in the year, hopefully we're gelling. Building momentum. And hopefully we're healthy because like if the Bengals are healthy, then the end of the year – could be an easier year. And I know the Raiders fans will throw out there, well, yeah, we're a better team this year. They are on paper. We will see what that looks like. Um, Those two teams play on November 17th. But I do agree with you. I feel like it's pretty much the same as last year because although I say, hey, those divisional games are backloaded, they still got some tough games in the first half of the schedule where if they take care of business against, like, the Bills, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Jets, the Dolphins, then they could end up being in a similar place they were last year or picking up, like, what, one or two wins at best from last year? Because last year they were, what, a seven? Six and ten. Yeah, six and ten, so I could see yeah, maybe I don't, seven and nine at best. I don't know. I, I think that might be tough uh, just because of their division, how tough mm-hmm. it is. And a lot of those out-of-the-division games are pretty difficult, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, I mean, certainly seven wins is possible, but I think like that six-win mark is kind of spot-on right now if I was Mm going to take the prediction just of where they might be again. Um, So, And part of that is because of injury issues and a new head coach and, uh, you know, some aging going on and a bad defense. Mm -hmm. So it's a little rough. It's not looking like it'll be the best season for the Bengals. Well, Bengal fans, this is where you guys come in. Tell us why we are wrong down below in the comment section because this is the part where I love it because everyone's optimistic. Everyone's got hope. We can all win the Super Bowl. That's what everyone is thinking. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on your team. 
heading into 2019. But Mark, let's move on. Talking about the Cleveland Browns now. Moving on from the Cincinnati Bengals. They are also in Ohio. They also um, have the initial CB, and their team is also orange. Um, So basically, we're almost talking about the same exact team besides the players on it. Kind of previewing the Browns like we do Every time we do one of these previews, they were 13th in offensive yards per game with about 669 last year. They were 20th in offensive points per game, around 22 per game. Um, Defensive yards per game, they were ranked 30th, one of the poorer defenses in yards per game, giving up 393 yards, and were 21st in defensive points per game, giving up about 24.5 points last season and with free agency man were the browns busy this free agency period they re-signed philip Gaines. they bring in uh morgan burnett they signed sheldon richardson they signed greg robertson and that's pretty much all the moves they made right mark they, they, they didn't make anything else oh wait that's right they also traded with the giants and they brought in obj they bring in olivier vernon while sending Jabril Peppers and some draft picks off to the Giants. So the thing I will ask you, because there's a lot that I want to unload with this team that is kind of picked up since we last talked about them, mm-hmm. but the thing that I want to ask about first, and this might be similar to the Bengal question, but I'm going to phrase it differently. What should the expectations, I asked about goals with the Bengals. What should the expectations be when it comes to the Cleveland Browns in 2019, depends on who you're asking. There's a lot well, of. I'm uh, asking you. <laughs> there's a lot of. Well, that, let me uh, let me tell you how it goes. A lot of Browns fans out there that think they're winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's very many Browns fans that think the team's getting worse. I don't know if there's any really mm-hmm. out there. There's probably one. Uh, there's a lot of people in the media that say Browns are the darling. They're going to win this division. They're going to be amazing. Uh, Baker Mayfield's the greatest thing ever. There's other ones like Colin Cowherd who thinks he's the worst thing of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really good for the ratings. And, you know, there's just so much back and forth. There's nobody who really thinks they're going to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and my personal opinion on the Cleveland Browns is this team is going to be spectacular. It's either going to be spectacularly amazing. This team's going to be awesome. They're going to win a ton of games. They're winning the division, going to the playoffs, going to make a run. Or, or spectacularly right. terrible. And... There's just too much new to me, to this team, that makes me just nervous. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baker Mayfield's in his second year, but I mean, I still consider that new. You got Odell. Uh, you've got Kareem Hunt, who is suspended. He's going to be here as well. You've got a new coach, who I know he was you know, having some interim time I, last year. But. I keep forgetting they have Kareem Hunt on this team. Yeah, he's there too. I forget that because he yeah, is he's suspended. suspended. Um, but he exists. He is there. Uh, they've got um, who? Let's see. Um, I feel like I'm missing another big one. Uh, oh, Olivier Vernon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got him who's new as well. They've got Greedy Williams who's new, who's got a big chip on his shoulder. This team is one giant chip. On the shoulder of Cleveland, but doesn't that fit like the city and like it the team, does? Though? But does it go well or not? It depends on how mm-hmm. they manage it. Yeah, what they really need. So I don't know if anybody is is into metal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and specifically this kind of metal, but there's a band called Metallica. Yes. You might have heard of them before. They've got a few songs that people like to play. Have a lot of baggage, too, in their history. They do, and that's exactly what I'm saying. So if you've ever seen mm-hmm. a documentary, there's some kind of monster. Um, I, I recommend it, even if you don't like Metallica. Was, was that the one where they were looking for a new bassist? And it that's is. where they got the it Hawaiian is. guy that yeah. I can't remember his Who, name. Who uh, is fucking amazing as a, as a bass player and mm-hmm. loves to do the crab walk thing. Uh, <laughs> which is like, all right, really good bassist. Crab walk thing is weird. Where I'm going with this is in this documentary, mm-hmm. the band basically falls apart while being filmed. And that's really cool. Uh, but they end up basically getting a therapist, like a marriage counseling type of therapist, a group therapist to help them bridge the gap and get their, you know, get their whole band marriage saved Mm -hmm. i feel like the cleveland cleveland browns need a marriage counselor to come in and make this work Mm -hmm. and and i know people are going to be like oh you guys are just judging you know all these guys who are fine but there's just so many big personalities that like we say about the uh you know the um the jaguars and the seattle seahawks it's really great when it works and you're winning it's not mm-hmm. great once you start to lose. And well, I'm not saying the Cleveland Browns are going to lose, but they were a losing team last year. They did not mm-hmm. have a winning record last year. Uh, and people are trying to crown them. They brought in a lot of players. They bought a lot of uh, hopefully wins for them next year. I just think that they need to be very careful managing the situation and managing this locker room and hope that things go right. Because I, you know... I'm not going to be a person who's calling out Baker Mayfield or anything like that or calling out Landry Jones saying this one player is going to ruin it. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like there's too many guys on this roster who are not going to be shy to start calling people out. Well, here's how I think of that. You're right. And the thing that I look to is what's going on already. And I want to bring Baker Mayfield into this because mm-hmm. he's a big part of it. Um, recently, there was news that Duke Johnson has told the team like, Trade, trade me, me, please. Basically, trade yeah. me because I'm not being like I was brought here to play, mm-hmm. and now I'm not going to play. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. like he was the main one of the main backs because Isaiah Crowell was not that good. Yeah. Um. Then they draft Nick Chubb. All right, I'm now a second stringer, but you know, running back by committee, second stringer can still get some touches. Now they sign Kareem Hunt, so like now he's the third guy out, and it's like, dude, just trade me. After what is it, week four? He's probably not going to touch the ball more than like five times. Yeah, and Baker Mayfield came out and basically in his quote, um, it like from the CBS article I'm looking at, you're you're either on this team or on this train or you're not. And how I feel with the Browns, and it kind of goes into what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the winning and losing. Once one person, and losing will kind of spark this. Yeah, make it happen. Once one person disagrees with the status quo. Once one person disagrees with something that rubs somebody else the wrong way, Boom, the match has yeah. been lit, and then and, the fire starts. And I wasn't going to bring up Baker Mayfield in, in that case just because I didn't want to. Like, but I do. I his, do, too. His per, like his personality mm-hmm. is going to, like, like it or not, that is your own part. I'm not going to say, oh, well, I want my quarterback to be this. No, I'm not getting into that discussion. But as a quarterback, he is going to be front and center. Yep. Love it or hate it. 
his personality is going to be yeah. the kind of um, what am I looking for? The brand of this team. It's the team's like personality, exactly. And and here's the thing for for me, I I wondered about Baker as he was, he's a guy who likes to talk, mm-hmm. uh, and I was wondering about him like, how is he going to react when somebody does what what Duke is doing, what Duke Johnson's doing? Mm-hmm. Is he going to still stand up for his guys because he's standing up for Odell as much as possible? Mm-hmm. But that's because Odell's one of his guys. Mm-hmm. Odell's on his side. Once you're not one of his guys, that's what I was curious about. How is he going to react to that? And I think we just saw the answer a little bit of like, well, you're either with us or against us. And it's like, well, sure, that's a fine attitude to have mm-hmm. in a way, and I get it to a point, but you're not making the case any better. And, mm-hmm. and it kind of goes into the Colin Cowherd thing, which is ridiculous at this point, uh, where it's like, Baker, by responding to him, you're giving him what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just feeding into it. He loves it. You're giving him the ratings. It's wonderful. Making the shirts you're the making it versus worse. the herd. Yeah, you're you're making it worse for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that he kind of thrives off this, but it's the kind of thing where Baker can't shut up. And I don't want people to get mad at me for saying this because I, I Baker's a great quarterback. I like Baker Mayfield enough. Mm-hmm. Um, he, but he can't shut up. Mm-hmm. He's that kid in the class who won't stop getting in trouble, despite the fact that now the kid's grades are terrible because he's never in class because he's constantly in in school suspension well, or something like that. that. It's like, or it could be like the the funny kid where it's like at first you're like <laughs> you know that's kind of funny and then after a while you're like dude just shut the fuck up but what like, I, you're not funny yeah, anymore but what i feel about it is like so if like I, he can't stop mm-hmm. he he can't help it he doesn't have that off switch is what yeah, you're saying yeah which is awesome to an extent mm-hmm. and awesome in certain ways and it's awesome cuz he can put that chip on his shoulder he can motivate a team really well but when you get a guy like duke johnson who's unhappy he can't stop he has to now go at Duke Johnson. And he's going to really go at Duke Johnson, but everybody can, everybody's able to read between the lines and know who he's talking about and what he's saying. Mm-hmm. If Odell's saying, I'm not getting enough touches, throw me the ball more, I don't think Baker can be the guy who can say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Let me go talk to my quarterback coach over here. Yeah. You know, let me just go and whatever. That's mm-hmm. just Odell. I feel like he's the guy who's going to chirp back mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, and I've made, uh, we've all made the comparison to Jay Cutler when it comes to Baker Mayfield in the sense of, you can kind of see the tide is going to turn and mm-hmm. people are going to hate potentially Baker Mayfield like they hated Jay Cutler, where there wasn't really much of a reason. It was just like the, oh, I just don't like his attitude, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And I, I fear that for Cleveland fans because I want Cleveland to be good and Cleveland's got so many great things and Cleveland's my favorite to win the division at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I just think there's so much that could potentially go wrong. It's like when you ignore all the red flags because you're like, yeah, but we have a lot of fun together with this new relationship you're in. You know, it's like this team can have really great moments. But is it all going to come tumbling down because a lot of big personalities, new head coach, defense had some struggles last year. Uh, Baker's got to come back strong for year number two. This is a team that the second they do something bad, they are going to get criticized more than anybody else with maybe the exception of the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Um, They will get criticized so 
so tightly. And the thing that I kind of think of um, mm-hmm. from what you're saying is it's kind of like I've heard this before, too, of like that first year. I want to say this was um, I was listening to Chris Sims talk about his dad say this, Phil. Yeah. And basically it's like that first year you're in the league, it's you kind of get a little bit of like that rookie, like, ah, well, he's a rookie. He'll learn. Like, ah, like we, mm-hmm. we let you get away with stuff. Because you're a rookie, because you're new. Yeah. It's like when you're on the job. Well, you made that mistake. You did this. We kind of let you get some mm-hmm. free passes. And, and you're Baker new didn't here. really look like much of a rookie his but first what, year. I'm not saying play wise. Mm-hmm. I'm saying now attitude wise. Yeah. Where last year it was like, oh well, you know, it's his first. Year. He'll learn how to do things. And I feel like what's going to be the big thing, and this kind of pulls in now what Cowherd has said, is like Cowan mentioned. He brought up the um police tape from college. He loves yeah. to bring that up. Um and the thing that I kind of was like, huh, and it got me thinking was when Colin was like, he doesn't think of the consequences. When it was cops stop him. Because he never really had consequences. Basically. When the cops stop him, not a, well, if I run, what will happen? It's just a, oh, I cannot run this cop, gets tackled. Doesn't think about what the consequence is now. Yeah. Now that he now ran from a cop, that probably would have been an easy, like, hey, you're drunk in public, like, kind of a thing. Now you've got a resisting yeah. um, thing on and top honestly, of it. And honestly, Baker Mayfield wasn't going to get a ticket. No, he was. He's Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Um, but then also you've got the other thing, like the, the, the grab and the crotch thing in college. I saw that as a little bit of a I, red flag. I don't care about that Only one. because it's like... Not because of, like, what it was. It was the person. It leads into this of, like, will he be able to shut it off? When he's in a press conference mm-hmm. following a loss, like, we saw how Cam Newton melted down, right? And I know it was a Super Bowl. Yeah. But we know how Cam Newton melted down, and Cam Newton kind of got quiet and was like, fuck it, and just walked off. You know what Baker's going to get like after a big loss, after the media's asking him questions he doesn't want to answer? He's just mm-hmm. going to start firing. And that's yeah. not going to be good for the Browns. Exactly. And, and I wonder about that. You know, is that something that we're going like to end up seeing? The mouth is just going to start doing this, and the brain ain't going to think before it says For it. me, and unless he, you know, is just an absolutely amazing quarterback, and he mm-hmm. just progresses um, following this path that he's already started, which is totally possible. But let's say he doesn't. Let's just say he is an average quarterback mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL. You know, he's a good quarterback. He's a good starter. Maybe he's like an Andy Dalton. You're not going to replace him. He's good, but you're not being, you know, an Aaron Rodgers team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he starts chirping at people, uh, especially like the media and stuff like that. And he can't shut up. That's the thing that's going to end a career early. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, you do have to kind of move past that. Like I said, unless you're just an absolutely amazing quarterback. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to chirp at somebody, he can chirp at somebody. No one's going to. No one's going to ask Aaron Rodgers any questions. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Tom Brady. If Tom Brady starts insulting the media members, they're going to say, thank you, Tom. Uh, they're going to See, let that Tom, happen. But Tom doesn't do that. But that's not my point. If he did, mm-hmm. they are such incredible quarterbacks, it's acceptable. Drew kind Brees of, could do it. I'll say this, kind of like Big Ben. Yeah, exactly. Big Ben you let them get away. his receivers. He's still there. You let them get away with things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Josh Rosen starts talking shit about his team— Josh Rosen's not going to have a career anymore. Mm-hmm. It's going to end really fast. Like Aaron Rodgers. Talk shit about his coach. Who coach got, got fired. fired. The coach got fired, not right? him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, who just donated a shit ton of money to his 
his college, Cal. Mm-hmm. They just got a nice, sizable uh, <laughs> stimulus package, right? Uh, and it was just like, and I, I think it was seven figures, is what they said. Mm-hmm. And it was like, huh. I feel like you could have done something better with your money, but whatever. Um, and I, I just, I don't want to see a talented player who has promise get bogged down by all this stuff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, people always say, yeah, but do you want to see him just do the Peyton Manning type of answers? No, there is a, t- there's a ton of middle ground and mm-hmm. that he doesn't have to be Peyton Manning. He doesn't have to insult media members. Mm-hmm. He can be somewhere in the middle. Is this team, and I'm going to say this now, mm-hmm. is this team, like, the future of this team with, like, chemistry, could they look in the mirror and look at the Steelers and go, huh, that's where we could potentially be headed? Because, like, I'm not saying, like, that OBJ mm-hmm. and Jarvis Landry no, are going to hate each other and with Baker are going to hate are each other. But, like you said, that one thing happens to throw a gear in it Big Ben and A.B. didn't hate each other the whole time in, in yeah. Pittsburgh. It was just recently. Well, I mean, think about here in Chicago. Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall were mm-hmm. best friends. Mm-hmm. They the, Since the Broncos days, they were best friends. Couldn't wait to play together again. Yeah. And then as soon as Brandon Marshall gets shipped out, it's like, that's the worst person I've ever seen. He murdered my entire family. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he acted like this was his absolute dead enemy. Yeah. Things change, mm-hmm. especially with big personalities in the NFL. Half these NFL superstars are incredibly egotistical, mm-hmm. are incredibly narcissistic, and especially at a position like the wide receiver, uh, you know that well, is and, and that's part of it. But especially when you're a top mm-hmm. end like player, yeah. well, you've been fed great. Things yeah, your and, whole and that's life. my point of the sense of like comments. You are going to feel like if anybody wrongs you, mm-hmm. it is not going to be something you just brush off. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of these kind of star players are going to do that because that's just not who they are. That's not their personality. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential for for something to to go wrong like that. But personally, I don't feel that's something we see this year. Mm-hmm. If that's going to happen, that's going to be a future thing. That's going to be year two, year three, mm-hmm. where it starts to crumble. Much like the killer bees, uh, they didn't crumble right away. They were amazing, and then they started to fall apart. So. You've got some time, and I think if you're a Cleveland fan and the Cleveland Browns team, they really need to strike while the iron's hot on Mm -hmm. this one. And they definitely can. There's a lot there where they can do it. And the thing with this team, kind of going back to what I asked about expectations and everything, and just what creates more pressure is, first off, I love what Freddie Kitchen says and you said, and you brought this up in the past, of basically we got to stop acting like last year was a good year. Yeah. Like we had a losing record. We mm-hmm. got to stop acting like seven, eight, and one was a good year for us. Um, but I look at the schedule and I feel like Super Bowl or bust? Probably not. Playoff or bust. If this team misses the playoffs, that like this year, we, we've been talking a lot about turmoil that may happen. I don't think we see anything this year. I don't think it blows up this year. Exactly. But. God forbid this team misses the playoffs this year. They're going to get they're gonna so get, criticized. They're going to get criticized. This team's going to get, like, in the offseason, we're going to see things come out of the woodwork. 
Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to get another one of these Jarvis Landry speeches about how mm-hmm. nobody can play as well as him, and this yeah. is all bullshit or whatever it was he talked. The about. one thing I will say about Jarvis Landry that I saw on Twitter that was adorable as fuck mm-hmm. um, was his daughter. Was it his daughter? Um, yeah, his daughter found a little fawn that came up to their house mm-hmm. and basically befriended the fawn. And the fawn followed her around. Nice. Like, they were best friends. That's awesome. Like, wherever she went, that little deer followed her. So, I mean, that was cool, but doesn't have anything to do with football. Um, I look at the schedule, though. Tennessee, New York Jets, um, I'll say Denver, Buffalo, Miami, both Cincinnati games because they're late in the year, and Arizona. Eight wins. Potentially eight wins right there. You just got to find two out of the other games. Is it a San Francisco? Is it a you shock Seattle because you're playing it in Cleveland? Do you get one game on the Steelers because now they don't have A, B? Do you win one of those games against Baltimore? To me, it's you've got to win those games I listed. Then you only got to find two games and you're a playoff team. But God mm-hmm. forbid they don't make the playoffs and they are like a 9-7 and seven team or an 8-8 eight and eight team. That's when we're going to see that... F- match get lit in the off season and it's just going to snowball into 2020. Yeah, it's you know, especially someone there's so many players on this team that if they don't have this success, I wonder how it's going to go for them. Mm-hmm. Uh and and how they'll handle that and deal with it. I see this team, I easily can see them being a 10-win team. Mm-hmm. It's really only two and a half more wins than they had last year, so yeah. it's totally possible for anyone who isn't a Cleveland fan and wants to scoff at that. Uh, but at the same time, I also see that this team can be like a five-win team, mm-hmm. um, depending on the way things go, and especially with this new coaching staff uh, and how they handle this locker room. But for me, I still think this is my this is my leader in the moment or at the moment in the division. I feel very good about Cleveland's chances getting into the playoffs and probably winning a playoff game. I don't know if they'll win more than one, but I think they'll definitely be able to win at least one playoff game and then maybe get bounced by a more experienced team. Uh, but there's a lot of good things to be excited about right now in Cleveland. Just hope that the success lasts. And you know what's going to be weird? In the between weeks two and weeks five, three of those four weeks, primetime games for the Browns. They're going to be on Monday Night Football against the Jets, and the next yep. week they're on Sunday Night Football. Then they're off of primetime before coming back to Monday Night Football to play the 49ers. The only other one is a Thursday night game, November 14th. And I, I sit there and I look at this and I'm just like, the schedule makers want Cleveland to fail mm-hmm. so badly. They're jinxing them. This is like when uh, the kicker comes out and they're like, you know, he's been perfect all year. He hasn't missed a single kick. Oh, and it's wide right. Mm-hmm. Uh you're just asking for the Cleveland Browns to be terrible if you're going to put them on primetime for this much when, like I said, 7-8-1 and one last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so schedule makers are out for you guys, and if you guys have bad ceiling, you know who to blame. And Bad I, season, I think I said ceiling. And I don't want uh, Browns fans to think, oh, just rag, rag, rag on this team. I just feel like this team is the they're, – they're a bunch of dynamite. You can either let it sit there mm-hmm. and it won't go off at all, but all you need is that one thing, that one match to start the fire. And then the fuse gets lit. And then it's just time before 
it blows up. Will it blow yep. up? No. But and, once you have that match, it will. And the pressure cooker of as soon as Odell doesn't do well, mm-hmm. the entire media is going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to as soon as Baker and Odell give each other a look that is not, you know, a smile mm-hmm. or a high five, they're going to say these two hate each other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like in a sense of like when Tim Tebow went to mm-hmm. Denver. And everyone's like, it's only time before that first bad pass, that first interception, where the entire crowd's like, Tebow time, Tebow yeah. time. I bet the articles That's are already written mm-hmm. right now about their their hatred of each other. They're just waiting to change the team, the week number, uh-huh. and send send it off. And just putting in the actual quotes exactly. when they happen. Um, well, it's not, I'm not even saying that there are going to be quotes. I'm saying that the media is going to see, they looked at each other funny. <laughs> I think there's something to it. Uh-huh, and just push that out there. But Browns fans, let us know what you think. How high are you on this team? How low are you on this team? What do we expect from this Browns team in year one of this one being together? Can Freddie Kitchens keep it all together? Let us know what you guys think down below. And, Mark, let's move on into a team that, well, we move on from one team that's got a lot of personalities to a team that got rid of a big personality this offseason, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Before we get into everything, though, make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts. And if you could please give us that five-star rating, it really helps out the podcast, gets us into the ears of more people. So if you could do that, it would mean the world to us. But, Mark, let's start out the Steelers preview with how they did last year. And looking at the rankings, offensive yards per game, they were fourth. They averaged 403, or thereabouts, yards per game. They were also a top 10 offense in scoring, Mm -hmm. averaging about 26 points per game. They were sixth overall in the league. Defensively, weren't bad with yards per game. They gave up uh, 337, or 327 yards, which was good for top six but points per game, they gave up 22.5. They're about a middle-of-the-pack defense. When terms of giving up points, they were 16th in the league last year. The biggest offseason move was actually a departure. A.B. is no longer on this team. He is with the Oakland Raiders. They signed Mark Barron, linebacker. They re-signed uh, Ramon Foster. Um, they bring on Dante Moncrief to a two-year deal. Um, they re-signed Eli Rogers um, and have brought in Steven Nelson, um, cornerback, as well to a three-year deal. The thing I want to ask you first with the Steelers is what should we expect from the A-B-less, like the post-A-B era yeah. in Pittsburgh with Juju being the main guy in that receiving core? Well, I don't think we can expect another 5,000-yard season out of Big Ben. I think mm-hmm. that those numbers are going to go down. Um, James Conner was was a really great uh, running back. We'll see if he kind of can repeat it mm-hmm. in a year or two. I just feel like this team, uh, unless James Washington really steps up and becomes amazing, they're going to see a step back in production. And you already look at last year and go back to that and – they, when it came to playing playoff teams, they didn't do that great. Mm-hmm. They squeaked by uh, New England and they split with Baltimore. Um, so, like, they lost more games against these playoff teams than they won. And I, I just look at that and I say that to me is a team that they won the games they should have won, 
but they didn't win the games that they could have won that mm-hmm. would have pushed them over. And I don't necessarily know that that much has changed this year. I mean, Devin Bush is going to be a great addition to that uh, that defense. And, you know, Johnson out of Toledo, new wide receiver. I don't necessarily know that that's going to be the biggest, you know, life changer for them offensively. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see that offense taking a step back. I get a little worried about some of these things, and, and I don't want to read too much into quotes, but you know, I think it's interesting that Mike Tomlin goes ahead and, and, and says that he's not really worried about team chemistry right now. It's like, but why not? Your team had one of the worst chemistry locker rooms in the entire league last year. But AB's gone. and Yeah, but there's still a big issue there. Just getting rid of one player doesn't make everybody go, Great. Everything's great now. You know, you still have issues. And there's a lot of people in that locker room, who, especially mm-hmm. people who've left, who pointed and said, the problem's not A.B. The problem's not the other A.B. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, well, L.B., uh, Le'Veon Bell either. The problem's Big Ben. He's the issue. And you look at this, too. Uh, another quote here that, not to read too much into quotes, but Big Ben being questioned about you know, that the fact that the Steelers are an underdog and his response is, we're still the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a team that missed the playoffs last year. That's a team that the year before that couldn't score a touchdown in a playoff game. Like, it's a team that hasn't had that much success in recent years. So you can't still stand behind that record and just be like, well, yeah, we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers haven't been good in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've just kind of been okay and not good enough. I just feel like this team, yeah, they got rid of some guys. They shipped some things off. This team, to me, kind of seems like a team that needs a shakeup a little I, bit. With me, the the whole thing of was Antonio Brown the only guy responsible for that team chemistry being as poor as it was? No. Big Ben was also a part of it. And the one thing, take it as you may or leave it as you may, um, Big Ben not doing that radio show that he used to do Mm -hmm. um, in past years, that could be seen as a good thing moving forward. Like, hey, that wasn't doing me any good. It wasn't doing the team any good to basically have me say something, they use it as a sound bite, and then boom, it could be used against me and the team in the locker room. Also, just don't be a dick. Well, yeah, I Could don't think be a good thing too. I don't then. think that's possible, though. So we're going to ignore mean, that. You know, you, you look at the thing too, and, and Big Ben would constantly be like, "I don't know." I texted him, and the player goes, "I don't have anything for me, buddy." Uh, to me, I, I don't know. There's an obvious issue of Big Ben is the issue, mm-hmm. and and but without a doubt, get, they're not going to get rid of. They're Big not. Ben. But without a doubt, Antonio Brown was a bit of an issue as well. But they didn't get rid of it. They just kind of empowered the issue there by saying like you're right big ben it's all about you mm-hmm. and then you got tomlin out there who's just like man i don't care about te- chemistry i just want us to play well mm-hmm. uh and it's just to me this is a team that just they got complacent uh they didn't really want to deal with any of the things they needed to deal with and they let things fester and big ben is just I'll go ahead and say I think Big Ben is the locker room cancer here, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like when um, people were criticizing that page or that Packers article saying if you weren't one of um, Aaron Rodgers' guys, you were like completely ostracized, mm-hmm. and that was an issue. That's exactly how it is with Big Ben. If you're not one mm-hmm. of Big Ben's guys, that's an issue for you on this team. 
Well, and I mean, with that being, that may be true, but I think that because AB is gone, because Le'Veon Bell is gone, how many of the guys on the team are not now Big Ben guys? I don't think Juju's going to well, start anything. They're scared not to be, Con- so they have to be. Yeah, but like I look at that in terms of success for the Steelers, and it might turn into success for the Steelers. But they have less production offensively. Their offense isn't going to be as good. That is where it comes into the question, where I don't think the problem for the Steelers this year will be their chemistry. I think the chemistry will be fine. Now there's even the stories of, like, Big Ben inviting the wide receivers over to his house for the barbecue um, and kind of building up team chemistry. The thing that I look at is you lost Antonio Brown. You lost a 1,000-yard receiver last year, even if Juju is anywhere near where he was last year, where's that production going to go? Where's the 1,200 yards, almost 1,300 that A.B. had going to go, if anywhere? And where are the 15 touchdowns that A.B. had? Where are they going to go? Because the great thing about the Steelers last year was you couldn't double to cover both Juju and A.B., now it's more of a situation of like, well, hey, just double cover Juju and let the other wide receivers beat us or let uh, David – like you got to just guard for James Conner and Juju. Like mm-hmm. Washington, I was – I'm not going to say super high, but like I liked him coming out of Oklahoma State. What are we going to see from him this season? Because now they have a big hole on that wide receiver front – with Antonio Brown not being here anymore. And I just, I look at this team and I think the big thing of why I, I'm i kind of thinking they're going to miss the playoffs again, only because you lose Antonio Brown. Your defense didn't really get a hell of a lot better. I mean, I know that I mentioned how they made some key signings on the defensive side, um, one of them being Steven Nelson. Um, coming over from the Chiefs, but I mean, defensively in the draft, like, is Devin Bush going to be the missing piece to build this defense up? I mean, it's a rookie player that I think helps this team, but I think does doesn't make it like a world changer type of a thing. And that is what I wonder when it comes to it is you looked at this team where yards per game, they were a good defense, but can they stop? teams from scoring and yes I know technically they scored more than their average gave up but to be Mm -hmm. one of those teams like you're going to be I think them are going to be in closer games and because you don't have Antonio Brown are you going to fall out of the top 10 in scoring on offense because you don't have that red zone target in Brown and your number one target is double covered and mm-hmm. you don't have a second number one target. Depends. Does he have his X factor on? Because that's the only way you can knock him out of his X factor right. mark. <laughs> it, it's just interesting to me with the Steelers and they have a difficult. Um, it's not incredibly difficult, but they have mm-hmm. a difficult enough schedule, you know, to to where that makes you kind of nervous for them. And I think that this is this should probably be a nine and seven team. Mm-hmm. Um, the question mark is. Is nine and seven going to be good enough to get into the playoffs? A lot of times, nine and seven needs a little bit of help from somebody else. Um, so it's going to be very interesting from that standpoint as well. Uh, and I get a little bit concerned because Big Ben's shown that he likes to point fingers 
if this offense goes down in production, I doubt he's going to take the blame himself. I'm going to ask you this. Mm -hmm. Write the headline for me. If this team is two and four or three and three heading into the week seven bye, what's the headline say for the Steelers? Because I could see them losing to Baltimore, LA, and New England, maybe Seattle with wins over San Francisco and Cincinnati before the bye. So if they're two, three yeah. wins before their bye, I'm even gonna, seven, what's the headline? I'm even going to make this a Ricky Widmer type of headline. I'm going nice. to use a colon in it. Nice. Big Ben, colon, time to hang it up. Hmm. After signing that extension. Right. <laughs> well, time to retire. Mm-hmm. Extensions don't mean anything when it comes to retirement. The so guys talk about retirement for about three years now. If they're two and two and four, three and three, that's the story we're looking at. That ah, oh, Big Ben's washed up. That he's he, done. He, it's time he, to he move on. Just hang it up. Move on. Yeah, I mean, you just got yourself a uh, a nice young quarterback last year mm-hmm. uh, who's ready to come in as soon as Mister Roethlisberger is no longer able to do it. Um, you know, let the kid get a chance. Because, I mean, it's interesting. I look at the schedule, too, where it's like, if going into the bye, they're, I'm going to use the worst case. They're two and four mm-hmm. um, or less. And with that being said, I don't think Big Ben's getting benched. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button then. Because I look at the rest of their schedule, Miami's a winnable game. Well, I know Josh Rosen's there, and I really want him to play well, but I think it's a winnable game. Um, Colts are a wild card. Rams, I could see, as a loss. Um, the Bengals, I'm going to say that Pittsburgh sweeps the Bengals this year. Um, so I'm going to put down two for sure wins. Cardinals, but one of those wins was in the, was in the two and four. Yeah. No, so only I, one I'm, win. I'm talking, no, I, the Dolphins. Yeah. So Dolphins and Bengals okay. are two, um, post buy. So two post the buy Cardinals would be three. Buffalo would be four. Maybe New York, so it's you're a seven win team for sure. Yeah, and it's like, can you win the other games? Can you split then with the Ravens? What are you going to do against Cleveland? Because usually you win two, sometimes you split. This could be a year where it's like, are you going to split or lose them both? And then also, what are you going to do against the Rams and the Colts? Like those are the games where it's like, all right, I've given you seven. You got to try to get three out of the rest. And if I'm pulling anything like if you lose to Baltimore at home I don't think you're going to win on the road Um, because that last game could be for the division with them and the Browns maybe one against the Browns but then other than that it's like okay that means I have to win against the Rams and the Colts and that's probably why the Steelers missed the playoffs because of a poor start of the season with how tough those first six games could be. Yeah, I like I said, I think this team could easily be 9-7, and seven, mm-hmm. um, and then it kind of depends on what else is going around, what help they get. Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, Big Ben is 37 right now. Mm-hmm. He's already talked about retirement multiple times. The only thing that's keeping him, I honestly feel the only thing that's keeping him from retiring is the fact that they drafted a quarterback. If the Steelers didn't draft a quarterback... I think Big Ben would be like, all right, whatever. When I'm done, I'm done. But the fact that there is somebody there to compete, there is somebody there to take his job, Mm -hmm. that's like his worst nightmare. He doesn't want someone to come and take his job. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the only thing that's making him stay. He's like, look, guys, I'm still good to go. Uh, He's going to kind of force the Steelers' hand a little bit on that one. 
I'm going to ask you this. Mm-hmm. When it comes to Mike Tomlin and Steeler fans are going to get mad that I kind of even propose this question. Let's say either two situations. Either they miss the playoffs. Let's say they're 9-7 and seven again, miss the playoffs. Or even if they make the playoffs but lose in the wild card game, do you see the question being asked about Mike Tomlin's future and actually being switched over? Would two mm-hmm. non-playoff years be enough for the Steelers to go, well, let's look at this. Tom, you haven't been to a Super Bowl since we lost to the Packers in 2010. Since then, you've only won, what, three playoff games and been to the playoffs one, two, three, four, five times? Maybe it's time uh, we look somewhere else. I don't think they're going to look somewhere else. Does the question get raised if they completely miss the playoffs? Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they make the playoffs, nothing gets asked at all. Uh, I don't expect him to go anywhere for next year, though. I mean, that's something I just throw out. Maybe it's another because also in 2012, 2013, I look into it. They did go 8-8 eight and eight in both of those years, mm-hmm. and he was fine. And then they made the playoffs the next year. I just, with the Steeler team, they are the biggest kind of question mark in this division to me um, because – You've got what looks like a good young team ahead of you that won the division. You've now got a super-powered team behind you in the Browns that are adding that superpower to try to surpass you as the second in the division, and you're losing a really good wide receiver. And that's where the question comes in is like, are you going to have enough to compete with the Ravens, to compete with the Browns, mm-hmm over this season and still hang on to maybe first or second in the AFC North? Or could this be a year where the Steelers finish third in the division for the first time since 2012? Yeah, it's possible, but I'm not really high on the Ravens. So we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. So, cause you've always said that it's going to be, this division is between the Ravens and the Browns and you're leaning towards the Browns to win the division. Are you leaning towards the Steelers to win the division? No, I'm not leaning towards the Steelers. I'm leaning towards the the Browns. To me, the last time I talked about it, I think that's mm-hmm. what I said. But to me, now the Browns, they've they've got it. Well, this is where you guys come in. Steeler fans, let us know what you guys think down below. What are you excited for this year? What are you not excited for this year? Are we hyping too, harping too much on this team chemistry and giving Big Ben a bad rap? Let us know what you guys think down below. And, Mark, let's close out the podcast talking about the Baltimore Ravens and setting it up like we have every other team this preview. Offensively, they were ninth in yards per game, averaging about 374, almost 375 yards per game. They were 13 in offensive points per game, around 24 per game. Defensively, they were a top two defense with the Bears and the Rams. Um, Well, yards per game with the Bears and the Rams, points per game with just the Bears. Um, They were first in yards per game, giving up only 293 yards per contest and points per game. They were .2 behind the Bears, which locked them into into second place, 17.9 points per game on this defense. If we look at free agency, they signed Justin Bethel, um, the cornerback special teamer, to a two-year deal. Nick Boyd, tight end, gets re-signed. RG3 gets re-signed. Seth Roberts come in, wide receiver. They signed Earl Thomas to a four-year deal. That was one of the big ones. 
But the one I want to start with, and the whole thing I want to start this off with, I know you want to get to Lamar Jackson. We will. But I got to ask this. Mm-hmm. Mark Ingram, three-year deal, a Baltimore Raven. What should we expect from Ingram with the Ravens now that he's away from the kind of two-man punch of him and Kamara in New Orleans? Yeah, I mean, and he was good without Kamara as well. Um, so I think you're going to expect some good things. And I, I think Ingram and Lamar Jackson kind of go hand in hand because this is very college running mm-hmm. option kind of an offense. Um, at least that's kind of what we're expecting because that's what we saw when they put Lamar in there last year is he's going to get he's going to basically have to carry the team. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a criticism on Lamar Jackson. It's If Mark Ingram is not good, this team is not good offensively. That's pretty much what it's going to come down to. Mm-hmm. They need to have a solid running back they can rely on to make that threat there because as of last year, nobody's really scared of Lamar Jackson throwing the ball on them. Mm-hmm. Why did they lose in the playoffs? Because the Chargers said, go ahead and throw the ball. And he didn't and couldn't for a long time. Finally started to put things together at the end of, this, at the end of that game. Um, so you've got some promises there that you're excited about. But if they had Mark Ingram in there last year, I think that would be a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Because then, you know, it's really hard to stop Mark Ingram uh, on, the, on this team who already has a good offensive line to help with the run protection. So he is the kind of crucial piece to the puzzle. To mm-hmm. me, if he has a really good season, Baltimore Ravens have a good season. Yeah, and I kind of think that you're spot on with the if Mark Ingram has a good season, this Ravens team will have a good season as well because the defense was perfect last year. And of course, you're going to get that having a defense or special team head coach, but having a really good defensive team. But also, the same thing, correct me if I was wrong. Wasn't Chuck Pagano on this staff last year, and now he's with the Bears? I believe so, yeah. So, I mean— That is you, where he came from, so right? So you've got Chuck Pagano leaving this staff. Is that kind of part of the reason why this defense was so good? Yeah, and uh, it, it's funny, too, because you kind of skip over any team for, for Pagano and just mm-hmm. remember him with the Colts. Uh, I, I think about this— um, Actually, no, I think Colts, yeah. Part, pardon me, he was with Baltimore before the Colts, so he wasn't with them last year. That was my mistake. So he just kind of had some time off. Yeah, he took the year off. But, so, scratch that question. Doesn't matter. I'll ask this, could the defense mm-hmm. be just as good as they were last year? It's hard to repeat when you're one of the top defenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were one or two, depending on who you want to ask. Um, But it's hard to do that again, especially mm-hmm. when you're a top-scoring defense. That's why... Last week, we talked about the Bears. I said the defense is going to step back. Same thing I feel like the Ravens. Defense will probably step back a little bit, but still be really good. It still be a top-five defense and take a step backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still going to be a crucial part to the puzzle. Um, but when the team wasn't scoring a ton of points in some of their games, they struggled a little bit. Uh, that can be kind of the recipe for other teams to say, hey, we just have to figure out some way to score on this defense mm-hmm. because we want to get ahead. If we get ahead, we feel like they're not going to catch back up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one because this defense is right there. Can they hold up the rest of the team? 
you know, that's a big question. And, and they go for a guy like Marquise Hollywood Brown trying to kind of get something to be sparking this offense uh, in the passing game because, I mean, who else is there? Willie Sneed? You know, there's nothing that you're going to really be scared of on the passing game in mm-hmm. that case. You need something. They're hoping that that's going to be a really kind of big hit. And they went hard at the wide receiver position um, with mm-hmm. with young rookies. And the thing I kind of look at, too, is because I don't remember how much of it is is they lost. So they the defense has lost quite a bit. Terrell Suggs, I believe, is with the Cardinals now. You've got Zadarius Smith, who we mentioned last week. He's now with the Green Bay Packers. And also C.J. Mosley, I believe. That's a big one. He is with the Raiders right now. Is that like, to me, I see that and it's like this defense, I almost expect it like the Bears. It's going to take a step back. It's just mm-hmm. how much of a step is it going to take back. In this case, though, like for the Bears, we were talking about a coaching thing, different scheme, but they still have all their guys intact. And C.J. Mosley was Jets, not um, Raiders. So he's going to be with the Jets this year. When you have a different coach coming in, at least the Bears still have all their players from last year, except for Adrian Amos. Whereas the Ravens, you're missing out on Mosley, who was big, Terrell Suggs, who was big yet old, and then Zadarius Smith, who was a good pass rusher as well. So are you almost expecting the like because of this, can we expect the Ravens to take more of a step back defensively than we expect the Bears to? Well, I would think so because you have you're losing quality players. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that's going to be interesting is with Lamar Jackson having uh, truly a, a full season to play, how is he going to do? How is mm-hmm. he going to keep that offense moving? And, and with Ingram as well in that case. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You're still questioning Lamar 100%. heading into year two. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% questioning him. And everybody else in the entire world should be questioning mm-hmm. him too. It's not it, – it, it seems a little harsh, but at the same time, he was a sub-60 completion percentage, mm-hmm. uh, and they didn't trust him to throw the ball. Now, them not trusting him to throw the ball tells you one of two things. Mm-hmm. Either the coaching staff wasn't ready – and he's going to excel once they do trust him, or the coaching staff knows something, and there's a reason they're not trusting him. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to say, hey, our rookie quarterback who wasn't supposed to play last year anyways isn't ready to throw the ball, you know, 30, 40 times in a game. Mm-hmm. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with them saying he's got some mechanic issues. We have to still work through them and still improve him. We're not ready to let him unleash yet. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But what concerns me is, you know, a two to one touchdown to interception ratio. That's all right. You're not upset about that. Um, now it's a very very small sample size. It's mm-hmm. six to three. That's doesn't really tell you very much at all. He also had a lot of scores on the ground last year. Yeah, eight on the ground. He did. I'm sorry, five on the ground. And last a team year. that has RG three on it right now. Maybe they get concerned about that. Maybe you mm-hmm. tell your guy, you know what? Maybe you don't run so much. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to be having the same complaints as Cam Newton saying, hey, refs, 
any of you see these guys hitting me, mm-hmm. this would be a flag if it was Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there are some genuine concerns there. 58% completion percentage. It, it just brings up to me, are they going to be able to let this defense be successful? A nice thing Lamar Jackson was able to do was extend drives with his legs. Mm-hmm. If he can't continue doing that this year, or maybe the coaching staff says, no, 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 you got to throw the ball. Uh, if that just leads to the defense getting back on the field more often, they're going to get tired fast. That defensive, Those defensive stats are going to drop down quite a bit then. Mm-hmm. I'm interested with Lamar Jackson to see how he steps forward. Just from today's practice on Tuesday, uh, they're saying, this is from Jamison Hensley, uh, saying Lamar Jackson had his best showing of the spring on Tuesday. He put nice touch on the ball on the 7-on-7 drills before struggling in team drills. Jackson bounced back in the red zone where he threw touchdown passes to Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, and Seth Roberts. What that says to me mm-hmm. is we still have no clue what we're going to get out of Lamar Jackson. He has some nice success. He has some struggles. Mm-hmm. When his best day involves struggling in the team drills— I think that kind of just puts a little pause on you and you're saying, like I said, we still don't know what we get. Nice touchdown passes, nice touch, struggling, not doing so well. Mm -hmm. What are we going to get out of Lamar here, Um, especially now that teams have had time to kind of figure it out because a team that played him twice exposed him easily. The problem was, of course, then the Chargers didn't really make any adjustments Mm -hmm. and a good coaching staff with the Ravens and Harbaugh did. And that's why I kind of, I, I lean on Mark Ingram a little bit. And the reason why is Gus Edwards mm-hmm. didn't have a bad season, but let's be completely honest. He's not Mark it's Ingram. Gus freaking Edwards where Mark Ingram could be the guy where, all right, they're really hammering the pass game. We're not going to go away from it completely, but we can now lean on that run yeah. game a little bit. We but can what lean is Mark, on Mark Ingram. And, and I like Mark Ingram a lot. Mm-hmm. What has he always had the benefit of having? Drew Brees. True. He does not have Drew Brees mm-hmm. as his quarterback right now. No one is going to say, we're going to focus on the run game when you have a 5,000-yard-a-year passer. But that's also where I think the benefit of having a Lamar Jackson and, like— you make you make the claim of like the RG three of like the Cam Newton where it's like hey don't don't run as much because you might get hurt or like Cam says hey you're not going to get the same kind of respect from the refs that like an Aaron Rodgers would but I feel like the just threat of Lamar with his legs is going to benefit Mark Ingram in the RPOs. Well, um, it does benefit him in that case, but. If teams are going to shut down the run, they're going to shut down the run. It's not mm-hmm. that difficult if they're going to say, hey, we're going to focus on putting a spy here mm-hmm. or what exactly what the Chargers did. We have athletic linebackers, which really were safeties and corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to catch him you know, because we're not afraid of his run game or his passing game. He played full games, seven games last year. Do you want to guess how many he threw for over 200 yards? Seven games? Yeah. I'm going to say like two. Close. One. Okay. He threw it for 204 yards once. Mm-hmm. The next closest was 279. Okay. And only had one, two games where he had a 60 or above you mean 179. Percentage. Yeah, whatever you said I said. 279. Yeah, 179 yeah. was his next closest. And it he's was only the last had, two games. He's only had two games where he's had a 60% mm-hmm. or above completion percentage. 
Lamar Jackson needs to show us that he mm-hmm. can pass the ball when when he's got the chance. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, and I will say one of the big things this year, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to see how he plays this year, is going to be Marquise Brown because you're talking about a hey, let's get more yards for our quarterback. Last year with the receivers that they had, I'm going to pull up their stats. But like Michael Crabtree, like Michael Crabtree wasn't going to be a huge deep threat for him. Um, John Brown's good, but John Brown to me is not a number one, number two mm-hmm. um, wide receiver you want on your team. He's more like a number three at best to me. Um, same with Willie Sneed. Um, whereas I feel like the big, the three big guys that are going to be used in this passing game are going to be Marquise Brown when he develops into it, Mark Ang- Andrews, and then I think Hayden Hurst also is going to be one where he comes like the double tight end, Marquise Brown, and one I cannot wait to see how he does because I can't wait to see how much of the field he gets because we were high on him as like a after the first round kind of a wide receiver, mm-hmm. but Miles Boykin yeah. from Notre Dame as well. I, I think it's... Totally possible here. Um, they really got a hit on, on these guys, like Marquise mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin. Uh, Thank you for putting the respect on the name that I forgot to. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they really have to hit uh, on these guys. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see if it, if it works out for them. But like we talked about with like a guy like John Ross earlier today, uh, a guy like Washington as well. Sometimes you draft these guys in the first round, you know, you're expecting great things out of them. And these wide receivers just don't really translate. They just don't get that same separation Mm -hmm. now that they're playing really quality defenses that they might not have ever really played in college. Um, So it can be a little bit difficult to translate sometimes for, for some of these wide receivers. What do you think of the schedule? Cause the thing I will say, I like about the schedule early on, is that you get Miami and Arizona, two easier opponents, I'll say. Yeah, I can start rolling. Right away, but then you get hit with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> exactly, then you're going to play the Chiefs. And then you get p- packed with your division back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Yeah. Uh, they, they're they not really getting any favors. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, fortunately, they get to play the Patriots at home. I guess that's nice. Uh, mm-hmm. But you got to go to Seattle right before that. I mean, you also get Houston late, so there's a possibility they could be injured because they always are. They usually are. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Their mm-hmm. schedule kind of bounces back and forth. It's like, Hey, here's something good to be happy about. Oh, you got to go to LA to play the Rams. You know, like you get a lot of these back and forth of like, yay. Oh, is this going to be a year where this division, like now that we've seen all the teams and this is the last one, is this going to be a year where the winner in the AFC North is a nine and seven team? It's like, po- totally possible. Is it possible that like the Browns don't live up to the expectations? Yep. The Steelers have a fallback. Yep. The Ravens have a fallback, all because of their different reasons. The Browns being all the egos putting together. The Steelers being the loss of AB in that defense not yep. really being added to. The uh, Ravens being all the losses that they have on the defense, bringing that kind of back a little bit. Could this be a division where it's like almost like what the NFC West was? A little bit ago, where it was like, man, Seahawks are in the playoffs. They're nine and seven. It's they totally won the possible. Division, they're nine and seven. And I don't even know that we're gonna get, you know, like 
past years, you would say, yeah, Ravens and Steelers both in the playoffs, guarantee. Mm-hmm. You can say that year after year after year. It's probably. I don't think we're one. getting that. Yeah, I don't think we're getting that this Especially year. Especially if the division winner is nine and seven, then there's not going to be a wild card from this division. Yep, AFC South looks very likely mm-hmm. to have a, multiple teams in the playoffs. AFC West, same thing, multiple teams in the playoffs. They had it last year, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's going to be tough for that wild card team in the AFC mm-hmm. uh, to really get their chance. I will ask you this. Last thing about the Ravens. Odds are one of those last two games, either on the 22nd or the 29th against Cleveland or Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. that one, if not both of them, are playoff, basically playoff games to end the year to either win the division or get into the playoffs. I could see them both potentially being playoff games. Mm -hmm. Um, What I could see for the Ravens, because they are kind of my second team in the division, mm-hmm. is I could see it being a, if they go into Cleveland and beat Cleveland, they're in. We don't really expect that to happen, though. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to come down to the Steelers. Okay, now if they beat the Steelers, maybe they're getting in on the wild card now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And then they kind of control their own destiny in that case. But it might also be a, yeah, they beat the Steelers. Cool. Now we need this team over here to lose, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough one to get into the wild card, like I was saying before. There's just too many good teams in the AFC this year. Yeah, this is, I'll be honest, this is the division where, like, most of them at this point, I can kind of pick a favorite to who I'm going to have win the division. Like, AFC East, the Patriots, the NFC East, the Eagles. You've got the, I would say, the Bears in the NFC North, the um, maybe... With me, I'd say Jaguars, Texans, or Colts in the South. Maybe like the Saints in the NFC South. The Chiefs, the Rams, where it's like this one to me is almost like the, well, I know the Bengals aren't going to win the division. Sorry, Cincinnati fans. But like other than that, I feel like this could be a division where it's like, wow, all three of these. It's like the Browns either win the division because they took a step up when the Steelers and Mm -hmm. Ravens took a step back. Or the Browns aren't able to hit on their expectations, and the other two teams just take a step back to where they're all kind of at the same playing field, where it was like, wow, what would have been third in the AFC North last year is now first place in the AFC North this year. Sometimes the teams just beat up on each other. Any final thoughts before we end this podcast? Just that the AFC North has such great boomer bust potential for mm-hmm. this coming season. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what actually happens. Because, I mean, like we've mentioned, Steelers got the question after losing A.B. The Browns have the question mark of putting all the pieces together. And then with the Ravens, that defense, I mean, even but the also Bengals, Lamar Jackson. They were hot for a while last year, and it just fell apart. And with the Bengals, it's injuries, 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 plus their new head coach coming in because they're the only team. Well, the Browns, too, have a new head coach, but he's kind of staying in with the staff, um, going from offensive coordinator to, well, quarterback coach to offensive coordinator now to head coach. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. Don't forget to also check us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Podcast. That is you. That is how you help support us. Get into that Discord server, join podcasts, all that fun stuff. You can also catch us. We're doing some more live podcasts on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash most valuable podcast, and also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Um, every five-star rating means the world to us and helps us get 
into the ears of more people. Follow Mark at the with two E's, Mark Weber. I'm a Ricky Widmer. Most Valuable Podcast is at Most Valuable Pod. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.